Absolutely, I believe um, reforms will save lives. Yes, I do believe that bail reform will save lives. I believe that not only will it save lives, I think it's an imperative for all of us in public service to champion bail reform. The communities that are impacted by gun violence, I cannot overstate this. I have spoken very clearly. You saw just some of the quotes. Uh, this is where people live in this city. The call to action is clear. There you go. That or those are the voices of several uh, chiefs of police, high-up ranking officers, uh, all meeting at uh, Queen's Park, uh, I guess it was Monday or Tuesday, to appear at a committee and uh, push forward what they want, which are bail reforms. So there's a lot of voices, certainly, and this follows the premiers all writing a letter to the prime minister saying, look, enough's enough. We've got to get bail reforms in. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people who may not have spoken up before, certainly are now saying, we're done. Something's got to change. Let me bring in John Reed, president of the Toronto Police Association, because, John, I should point out, you were part of that testimony. Yes, good morning, Alex. Uh, yes, I was. I had the opportunity, actually, uh, to present as well, which, um, you know, I think what we have here, we have uh, police associations across the Ontario, chiefs across Ontario. Uh, we have premiers across the country all saying the same thing. And I think at this point, um, there's no, it shouldn't be a discussion. Something needs to mm -hmm. be done. and it needs, This is going to be a job uh, as far as the legislative piece uh, that will fall at the feet of the federal government. Yeah, I think I, I saw your testimony, um, and certainly we played some of it in the show yesterday, because uh, to your point, I mean, it was very clear from what, what was said or presented and clarify or correct where, where it's appropriate um, during the testimony that as much as we need police at tougher laws with bail reform, sentencing, um, you made clear in your testimony, this is not like an either or. So this is not about stopping any investments uh, in the community. And that was uh, important to you to say. Yeah, it's, it's actually critical, I think, in the whole discussion. Um, you know, for far too long, we've had the discussion, we can either fund this or fund that. And that has to stop. We have to start looking at the issues and the reality of them in that they have to uh, both be funded. You know, we have almost two areas. We have the here and now, which we have to deal with, which are the bail reform issues, staffing issues. And that's what we're dealing with today. Uh, we also talk about investment in communities, uh, you know, jobs, housing. And that's mm -hmm. uh, has to be supplied upstream, but it's going to take a, quite a while for that investment yeah. if it to come downstream again. So we still have to deal with our here and now. Right, and, and and this was all the talk back to the days of the summer of the gun, when when all we heard about were investments and community programs and rebuilding and investing in in marginalized communities where the violence was really taking root. Of course, we got the announcements, we just never got the investment, and so here we are in 2023, and it is a long process. Um, but is there anything specific in mind uh, that police have talked about? Because often the police are viewed as, well, you're the problem. People don't want you in the communities. We don't need the outreach. We don't need you in the schools. But what what would that solution in your mind, given what your officers see on the street, what does the solution look like? So quite honestly, we once again need to get our officers and, and have the numbers. Uh, the first and foremost, most importantly, is our ability to respond to 911 calls in a timely manner. Uh, for us taking 20, 21 minutes to respond to a 911 call um, is, is ridiculous. You know, if someone's calling 911 and it's a legitimate call, they need assistance now. And unfortunately, with the 
a decrease in staff we've had over the last 10 years. We're down 400 constables. Um, you know, we, we can't do that. And we're good. We're ha very happy to see the investment now as far as the new budget. Uh, we're going to hire another 200 officers this year, which is good to see. But that's still not going to get us to where we have to be to be able to answer these calls. You're going to get an awful lot of pushback. There are an awful lot of people who didn't want to see the increased budget to the police budget this year, and they don't see the need for it. And so what does that look like? Like how many more officers in your mind would be needed? Uh, I can tell you, we actually need uh, probably about 500 frontline officers right now. Um, and to all the people that say we don't have or we have enough police officers, uh, the one thing I always say is once you're directly affected, by a criminal incident or sometime you need the, the police officers to be there and they're not available, then you start to care, you start to take notice. And I think that's important for emergency services to make sure they're funded properly. And this, and once again, I'm not suggesting that we take money away from other initiatives like mental health. Those are important too, but not at the expense of policing or the other emergency services. But, you know, during your testimony, you also point out that we don't have enough uh, court staff, uh, officers, crowns, they're, they're stretched too thin. So, you know, you know, what I'm hearing is that we have to make huge investments across the board. We do. And unfortunately, what's happened is probably over the last decade or so, these investments haven't been made on a continual basis. So right. we end up falling further and further behind. And here we are now. And we find ourselves unable to answer 911 calls in a reasonable manner. So the premier has said that, you know, um, and he was part of the letter writing that he will move forward if he has to, um, you know, if the prime minister doesn't move. Trudeau has said he's open to discussions. We just don't hear anything. And I get the sense that that we need action now. Um, but, you know, the feds do control the criminal code. I mean, that is their jurisdiction. And so what what specifically um, did Chief Demke and the others and yourself, what what are these bail reforms? So I think you have to look at a couple of pieces here. So as far as the bail process goes, the legislative piece is a federal piece, and that's something which I think the federal government should actually have a committee on, and I'd be very happy to go to that committee and speak on it. Uh, but here in the province of Ontario, one of the pieces we can also do is the monitoring of uh, individuals on bail, uh, to have bail compliance units that are actually uh, active once again. So we had to uh, break down a lot, a lot of those answer radio calls um, for the public. But investment in that, those units now will be uh, impactful now. Um, and other pieces are like the new Police Services Act, which we're actually developing right here in Ontario now, is the adequate and effective policing, ensuring that these units are enshrined within that document to make sure that down the road, when budgets are tight, they don't get collapsed. Meaning? Well, collapsed. Yeah, they, they'll, yeah. they'll be shut. Oh. Yeah, so these unfortunately get shut down when we're short manpower okay. or short yeah, sorry, you're cutting out just a little bit on us uh, with, uh, with the connection. So you're talking about the collapse. I thought you said collapse, and I'm like, what's collapse? Okay, so you're talking about you don't want to bring in resources and then cut other resources to make room for new resources. I mean, the point is we always have to cut back to bring something else in. It's got to make sense. How long is this going to take? I mean, uh, you know, the bail reforms that we need, um, I, I'm not hearing that they're going to, you know, come into to play uh, quickly. That is, that is the issue because don't forget the prime minister, that this is something he ran on, was going towards the more restorative uh, justice uh, aspects so you know talk's great but if he doesn't move this could be a while i agree with you and, and that's why i think at the provincial level uh investment within uh some of the bail monitoring uh is key for us i think ensuring we have personnel check on people on bail uh, another one is education for the courts here in ontario 
uh, making sure that JP are, are trained and educated as far as being specialized in dealing with firearms and, and serious criminal acts. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that justices of the peace don't even necessarily have to have a legal background, which I think is very, very problematic given the gravity of some of the decisions that they are uh, making in the courts today. Um, I appreciate it, John. There's more to talk about, but certainly we'll pick up the conversation when we meet next week. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Very good. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. That is uh, John Reed joining us here. Uh, to his point on supports for follow-up, you know, getting out and, uh, you know, these units that go out and check up on people like bail, uh, they're crucial. Without those units, you have no idea where those who are convicted or uh, accused of, of crime, you have no idea where they are. You're just going on the trust that some surety is watching over them and not going on the internet. But unless you can do the checks, you have no idea. We have no idea if they're following rules. There's a lot needed, clearly. I don't know when we'll get it, but it's going to be a fight.